Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello, and welcome to Voices from the Battlefield, part of Waterloo Remembered. The next extract is read by Battlefield Tour Guide, Robert Pocock, and comes from the recollections of Cavalier Mercer. It is worth saying that Mercer's account does contain some graphic descriptions of battlefield injury. Hello, and thank you for joining me for this Waterloo reading. My name is Robert Pocock, and many of you will know of me in recent years through my extensive Napoleonic research, and particularly my little business, Campaigns and Culture, guiding some very special small group tours across both famous and forgotten parts of the Waterloo and Peninsula campaigns. For me, the most compelling character who fought at Waterloo has always been Cavalier Mercer. At 32 years old, he was by far the most junior and least experienced Royal Horse Artillery Troop commander at the battle. To his great frustration, he never served in the Peninsula so this was truly the most memorable day of his life. In later years he went on to become a full general, never retired, working right until his death in 1868. We know so much about Mercer because he left us with his wonderful Journal of the Waterloo Campaign. Published two years after his death, in two volumes, it describes his experience of the entire campaign from leaving England through Bruges and Ghent, the gentle beauty of the countryside, day trips to Brussels, living in chateau and visiting castles that still exist today. His descriptions are full of the uncertainty of the march to Quatre Bras, the excitement of the retreat through Genappe to the chaos of Waterloo, the march to and occupation of Paris, all the time writing as a keen observer of the human experience of landscape, architecture and people. The quality of writing really shines through. I've heard his journal described as the finest piece of campaign literature ever written, and I certainly don't disagree. 
Having enjoyed access to his personal unpublished diaries and the original manuscript of his Journal of the Waterloo Campaign, other letters and uncovering the locations he describes from Belgium through to Paris, I reckon I've got very close to understanding the man from early childhood onwards. For the Waterloo 200 anniversary in 2015, I led the project to restore Mercer's grave in the Cathedral City of Exeter with the active support of the Waterloo Association and the generosity of many others, including G Troop RHA, Mercer's Troop, which proudly continues to this day within seven para RHA. Well, this year, 2020, is the 50th anniversary of the film Waterloo. The actor who played Mercer, Richard Heffer, and I have spent many happy days following Mercer's routes around Belgium, and you'll find a few videos of Richard describing his filming experience of the cavalry charge on the Campaigns and Culture website. Today, I'm reading from Mercer's own manuscript, describing his arrival onto the main Allied ridge, the front line between two Brunswick squares. To focus on the intense experience of the French cavalry charges, I've edited out a few sections, but also included some of his words from the original manuscript that never made it to the published journal. So this is truly the first time anyone has heard some of this material in over 150 years. As we ascended the reverse slope of the main position, we breathed a new atmosphere. The air was suffocatingly hot, resembling that issuing from an oven. We were enveloped in thick smoke, the incessant roar of cannon and musketry, and could distinctly hear around us a mysterious humming noise. Cannon shot too ploughed the ground in all directions, and so thick was the hell of balls and bullets that it seemed dangerous to extend the arm. Our first gun had scarcely gained the interval between the squares when, through the smoke, the leading squadrons of the advancing column came on at a brisk trot, already not more than 100 yards distant. I immediately ordered the line to be formed for action. Case shot! The leading gun was unlimbered and commenced firing almost as soon as the word was given. For activity and intelligence our men were unrivalled. The very first round I saw brought down several men and horses. Still they persevered in approaching us, and it seemed they would ride right over us. We were a little below the ground on which they moved, and this gave more effect to our case shot, almost all of which must have taken effect, for the carnage was frightful. In a twinkling, the instant I thought it was all over with us, they turned to either flank and filed away rapidly to the rear. Retreat of the mass, however, was not so easy. Many, facing about and trying to force their way through the body of the column, that part next to us became a complete mob, into which we kept a steady fire of case shot from our six pieces. The effect is hardly conceivable, and to paint the scene of slaughter and confusion impossible. Every discharge was followed by the fall of numbers, whilst the survivors struggled with each other, using the pommels of their swords to fight their way out of the melee. Some rendered desperate at finding themselves pent up at the muzzles of our guns, and others, carried away by their horses, maddened with wounds, dashed through our intervals, few thinking of using their swords, but pushing furiously onward. 
intent only on saving themselves. At last, the rear of the column, wheeling about, opened a passage, and the whole swept away at a much more rapid pace than they'd advanced. One of, if not the first man who fell on our side, was wounded by his own gun. Gunner Butterworth was one of the greatest pickles in the troop, but at the same time a most daring, active soldier. He'd just finished ramming down the shot and was stepping back outside the wheel when his foot stuck in the Mari soil, pulling him forward at the moment the gun was fired. As a man naturally does when falling, he threw out both his arms before him and they were blown off at the elbows. He raised himself a little on his two stumps and looked up most piteously in my face. To assist him was impossible. The safety of all, everything, depended upon not slackening our fire and I was obliged to turn from him. The retreat of the cavalry was succeeded by a shower of shot and shells which must have annihilated us had not the little bank covered and threw most of them over us. Still, some reached us and knocked down men and horses. They prepared for a second attempt, sending up a cloud of skirmishers who galled us terribly by our fire of carbines and pistols at scarcely 40 yards from our front. We were obliged to stand with port fires lighted. It was not without a little difficulty that I succeeded in restraining the people from firing. The column now once more mounted the plateau. The spectacle was imposing. On they came in compact squadrons, one behind the other, so numerous that those of the rear were still below the brow when the head of the column was but at some 60 or 70 yards from our guns. Their pace was a slow but steady trot. None of your furious galloping charges, but a deliberate advance, at a deliberate pace, as of men resolved to carry their point. They moved in profound silence. The only sound that could be heard amidst the incessant roar of battle was the low thunder-like reverberation of the ground beneath the simultaneous tread of so many horses. On our part was equal deliberation. Every man stood steadily at his post, the guns ready, loaded with a round shot first and a case over it. The tubes were in the vents, the port fires glared and sputtered behind the wheels. My word alone was wanting to hurl destruction on that goodly show of gallant men and noble horses. I allowed them to advance unmolested until the head of the column might have been about 50 or 60 yards from us, and then gave the word, FIRE! The effect was terrible. Nearly the whole leading rank fell at once, and the round shot, penetrating the column, carried confusion throughout. The ground, already encumbered with victims of the first struggle, became almost impassable. Still, these devoted warriors struggled on, intent only on reaching us. The thing was impossible. Our guns were served with astonishing activity, whilst the running fire of the two squares was maintained with spirit. Those who pushed forward over the heaps of carcasses of men and horses gained but a few paces in advance, there to fall in their turn and add to the difficulties of those succeeding them. The discharge of every gun was followed by a fall of men and horses, like that of grass 
before the mower's scythe. As before, many cleared everything and rode through us. Many came plunging forward, only to fall, man and horse, close to the muzzles of our guns. But the majority again turned at the very moment when, from having less ground to go over, it was safer to advance than to retire. We ceased firing, glad to take breath. Their retreat exposed us, as before, to a shower of shot and shells. These last, falling amongst us with very long fuses, kept burning and hissing a long time before they burst. Lieutenant Breton, who'd already lost two horses and had mounted a troop horse, was conversing with me during this our leisure moment. As his horse stood at right angles to mine, the poor, jaded animal dozingly rested his muzzle on my thigh, whilst I, the better to hear amongst the infernal din, leant forward, resting my arm between his ears. In this attitude, a cannon shot smashed the horse's head to atoms. The headless trunk sank to the ground, Breton looking pale as death, expecting as he afterwards told me, that I was cut in two. My face, breast and right thigh were one mass of blood and brains. What was passing to the right and left of us I know no more about than the man in the moon. The smoke confined our vision to a very small compass, so that my battle was restricted to the two squares and my own battery. As long as we maintained our ground, I thought it a matter of course that others did so too. Well, that concludes the reading from Mercer's journal. Mercer went on to describe another charge, more carnage and more confusion. I hope you've enjoyed it and if you'd like to see or hear more about Mercer, Waterloo or the wider campaign, then please do get in touch. That was Battlefield Tour Guide Robert Pocock reading from the recollections of Cavalier Mercer. And you can find out more about Rob's tour company, Campaigns and Culture, at www.campaignsandculture.com. Stay tuned to The Napoleon Assist, where more instalments of the Voices from the Battlefield series will be released throughout the day. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.